As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletic. Dedicated Blue Jackets podcast, Aaron Portson with you on a Thursday afternoon. Blue Jackets in Toronto tonight to play the Leafs. First of three meetings over the next 15 games, if my math is correct. My math is correct. Uh, And of course, the big night for Adam Fantilli heading back to uh, his hometown to play a game, uh, an NHL game for the first time. I don't believe, I don't know this, but I don't think, this seems to have come up in an earlier conversation. I don't think he's ever skated. Uh, on the Leafs home ice, which I, he's been to games there for sure. Um, I don't think he's ever skated in the Air Canada Center. Um, so big night for him. He's going to have – he'll have two – there'll be two sort of ways to look at this. He's going to have a bunch of people in the building that he knows are there to see him. He's going to have a ton of other people that have known Adam for a very long time and are in the building because they want to see – the Leafs, but they're excited to see their their former, who knows, elementary school, middle school, uh, private school, daycare. Um, always a cool thing when you when you come back to play in your hometown. And the thing, I don't know that there's any real U.S. equivalent. Um, if you've never been to a game in Toronto, it's not the craziest setting because the tickets are so, so, so expensive that you've got a lot of white-collar Fans there, not the type, not the sort of working class blue collar fans that tend to cheer louder. Um, it's kind of the wine and cheese crowd a little bit, especially the lower bowl closest to the ice. But there's most certainly a buzz to it because of the importance of it. Um, and I always say this to, to fans in, on this side of the border. Uh, there are basketball fans in Canada. Of course there are. And there are football fans. Uh, there are soccer fans. They, they like all, all manner of sports. The big deal there is the National Hockey League. Um, it's maybe a little bit more, uh, a touch more watered down than it was 20 years ago with the NBA arriving there with the the, the uh, Blue Jays, sorry, grabbing such a foothold in Toronto. But it's generational there that everyone has a hockey team. And for years, that was not really divided by other sports. The CFL. 
uh, has a, uh, a dedicated fan base, of course. But in this country, um, and this isn't a better or worse um, comparison, it just is, we have football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer now has, has, has really exploded in the last 20 years. Our allegiances and our passions are so divided among so many different sports where in Canada, it is intensely um, placed upon hockey. I remember the first time I ever covered a game in Toronto. We're standing along the glass for a morning skate and the fellow media member from Toronto standing next to me, the Blue Jackets take the ice and he is, I wouldn't say panicked, but he was, he was hurrying. Can you help me with the lines here? Who are the lines? Like this is the morning skate. Um, and I, I give him the lines, um, what I expected the lines to be, what they look like they were going to be. And he picks up the phone and dials in the radio station and says, okay, I'm ready. I can go live anytime. Morning skate forward lines live on the air on the radio, regular season game against the blue jackets. Um, it is just, it is a, a passion that is really hard to get your arms around until you see it from Montreal is very much the same. Um, but it's awesome. And Fantilli, uh, should have a, a blast tonight. He is skating on the top line between. Johnny Gaudreau and Justin Danforth. If you're wondering about Danforth's uh, place there, um, I think this is in part, now certainly Fantilli on the top line with Gaudreau suggests a new approach here uh, by Coach Pascal Vincent in letting the pony go a little bit here. But the uh, Danforth on the right is is in some measure a way to protect him still, Fantilli, and that Danforth can also take faceoffs on on the right side of the ice. Um, so they'll be watching closely tonight. Fantilli's going to get a lot of matchups with with Nylander, a lot with Matthews. Um, I think he's up to the challenge. I and when I say up to the challenge, I don't think I don't mean I think he's going to play better tonight than Austin Matthews does necessarily. I just think he's up for that level of competition now and needs to be exposed to it to learn from it. That's what this season needs to be about now. I've been saying this for a while. Blue Jackets 9, 16, and 5. Um, it would take an absolutely Herculean effort to get back into this thing, especially with Boone Jenner now out six weeks. We have a story in the on the website, almost said in the paper, on the website today, old habits, right? Um, about Jenner and what the Blue Jackets may look like without him, how they have looked. This is the fourth season in a row that he's missing extended time uh, with an injury, two back injuries, broken hand in there, now a broken jaw. Um, their winning percentage, it's all in the story there if you care to look, is almost 100 points lower than their point production with him. I'll remind you, they've not been a great team with Boone Jenner the last three seasons, uh, but it really drops off when he's not there. A player that is, uh, I don't think, underappreciated here. I think most people appreciate Boone Jenner for all that he is, certainly un unappreciated across, underappreciated across the NHL, um, and the Blue Jackets will miss him desperately. So we mentioned Fantilli between Gaudreau and Danforth. The other lines, the Russians remain together, Voronkov between Chinikov and Marchenko. Your... Um, 
line for pieces, parts that don't fit elsewhere is the third line. That is a uh, cylinder between line A and, and uh, Kent Johnson. Line A played 13 minutes in the last game. Uh, and the fourth line is Corrali between Texier and Bemstrom. I was thinking of this the other day. I think, obviously, we've made much note of this. Gaudreau and Line A have been major disappointments this year. Gaudreau has been better in his last probably five to ten games, more active, certainly. Um, and, and the production has followed him a bit as well. Uh, Line A still just looks lost, um, and I'm not sure what's going on there. He's on the third line tonight, um, minus three in his last game in just 13 minutes. Um, another player who has been, I have to be honest, a bit of a disappointment to me this season has been Alexander Texier. Um, I think he's played hard. I think there have been times where he looks like he's what you would expect him to be. I I have to say, I, I thought he would have a more of an offensive imprint on this team. And he has, he's, he's, you know, five goals is, it's not, it's not nothing. Um, but at five, three, eight through 28 games and, and really unable to get off the fourth line. I like him with Corrali. Sure. Um, but this is a player Texier that, that I think I was expecting more from this season. And really his numbers so far this year have been uh, comparable, not to the last time we saw him in the NHL, but to the first time we saw him in the NHL, um, when you really weren't sure where it was going. Before he left to go back to uh, Switzerland for a year, or to France and, and then Switzerland to play for a year, he was becoming a real impact player. 36 games, 11, 9, 20, with an even rating. He's one of their better forwards, maybe their best forward for the couple weeks before he got injured. Um, maybe a year spent away, a year and a half spent away, Take some time to to get used to. Um, so maybe we're just waiting on the 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 um, peak Texier to return. You can step on stage and ask a question directly, or we can go uh, via the chat. We've got a bunch of questions in the chat. We will start there. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Um, Kyle S says, "What is your assessment of Cole Stillinger's game this year?" The goals haven't been falling, but he seems to be more confident with the puck and making skilled plays, exiting the defensive zone this year when I've been able to watch. On a related note, Boone being out might be a great opportunity for this franchise to get an accurate evaluation on their future center depth. With the season already lost, it's unfortunate it takes an injury like this to give the young guys an opportunity to showcase their skills. All right, Kyle, a lot there. Let's start with the, the first question about Cole Sillinger. Um, the lack of goals is... I, that's an issue. Uh, it, it has to be an issue. He has one goal in 25 games. I think he had three. He did have three in 64 last year. So this number 12 overall pick has four goals in his last 89 NHL games. Um, I am not smart enough to know where his goal production has gone. Last season, he looked slow to me. I don't know if that was a lack of confidence. That was second-guessing, but he didn't have the burst. I see more of the burst this year, honestly, um, but the goal scoring hasn't followed. I will say this. I think he has he has dedicated himself, to his credit, to impacting games 
in ways more than the question of did he score or not. And he's become a fairly reliable defensive forward. He's competitive. I guess if there's another uh, issue I have is I want to see more sandpaper in his game, especially in a game like Florida uh, the other night. Um, I'm not saying he's soft. I'm not saying he avoids it. But I think there, if you're not going to score goals, uh, and you're going to be a checking line defensive forward, which is what he is right now, one eight nine in 25 games, I want to see a little more sandpaper there. Uh, this is still obviously a young player. He's 20 years old, um, still only 20. You can also question if having him here as an 18-year-old was the right thing. It's his, it's his best season, 16 goals in 79 games. Um, hard to say. Noman said at the time, this is not what's best for the kid. Um, so I don't know if that's part of his regression or not too much too early. I don't think so. I think it affected him last year and that as much as everyone else held him to the standard of those 16 goals, I think he did too. Um, but speaking to him, and sometimes words can can ring hollow, but I, I believe them in his case. I think he's dedicated himself to doing more than judging himself just on goals scored. I will say this too. He was minus 23 last year. He's minus six this year through 25. So on pace, obviously the minus six is not a positive number, but on pace to be much better uh, than he was last year. So there has been progress there, just not with the goals. Uh, Christopher A., thanks for the questions. Oh, sorry, Kyle, there was more there. Um, Yeah, listen, about Boone and, and being out and this being an opportunity, it's a kick in the butt. But it, it it may just force the Blue Jackets, uh, coaches and management to see this season as uh, many of us have, have seen it. And, and honestly, they should be the last ones uh, to accept defeat in a lost season. Um, I've been saying for a little while that, that this needs to be turned over to the kids and give them more. And the veterans can can either demand more with their play but they don't just get more by the pure fact that they're veterans. Let's see what the kids can do. Uh, and this may force that. I still think you have to be careful with young players at times. You don't want them to get overwhelmed. Um, I don't think Fantilli or Voronkov, these seems to be the two that we're talking about more than the others. I don't think they have um, the component in them to be overwhelmed, frankly. Um, so I keep giving them until... Uh, they tell me that that it's getting a little rich for them. And I, I think that may be a long way away. Um, so we'll see what kind of ice time Fantilli gets. I didn't like the fact that in the first game without Boone, Danforth got more time at center ice than anybody else. Sillinger was second. And then it went Fantilli and Voronkov. That just doesn't compute to me, especially in a 5-2 game. Um, let's go. Let's let's see Fantilli against Matthews. Certainly, if he's minus three after the first period, you're switching up. I get it. I get it. You don't want the kid to eat a eat a rough night for three periods. But let's see. I don't think it goes that way. I I, I will say this too before I get to Christopher A. We were talking the other day at the rink about how if this if these coaching tactics were put forth by Ken Hitchcock or John Tortorella, people would not be surprised, I don't think, in the least. But then I got to thinking about it, and that's really not a fair statement about John Tortorella. It's not 
certainly by the way he's coaching in Philadelphia right now. Look at that team. Look who's playing. And it's not really by the way that he coached here in Columbus. Who put Pierre-Luc Dubois in the middle before anybody else really thought he was ready? Right? I think John Tortorelli used ice time for young players, A, as an opportunity to see what they've got, B, as a way to motivate the veterans. Look at this kid taking your ice time. How you like that? And there's no way to get more out of a veteran player than to see his ice time go to a, his possible replacement. So, um, anyways, just some thoughts there. Christopher A says, Porty, has there been any explanation from the league why the Cousins penalty was reduced? Uh, I got to figure a lot of what happened would have been avoided if they left it as a major. Chris, I feel the same way. I think everybody in the building, uh, it was Nationwide Arena. I'm not sure the Floridian fans would agree, but everyone who saw that uh, certainly live, uh, I think, felt it was a major penalty. Right in the numbers. Right in the numbers. Um, back of the shoulder is the numbers. So, yeah, there is no explanation. There will be no explanation. It was reviewed. Um, I mean, it's a deliberate attempt, a, a, a deliberate act to rescind it. They looked at it, looked at it again, and made the decision that they went too far the first time. I would certainly think that the league, in its game evaluations of the officials, has had some serious conversations this week. There have, there have been all kinds of hits from behind. <laughs> I mean, some really ugly ones. And the only one that got a major was the one that I went, eh, I don't know. Eric Robinson, you know him, uh, Buffalo Sabre now with a hit that was um, maybe that, that, that's a minor. I can live with that being a minor. He took a run at the guy. I didn't see that one as a major. And that's the only one that got a major. Um, we I asked uh, Good Branson point blank if if he if the second act occurs, if the first act is is uh, called a major and he kind of. Uh, he kind of, he didn't really answer it. I don't think he wanted to go there. Um, but he basically said, you guys can make that decision, which I think he knows how many people feel. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So um, we've got uh, Matt C. up on stage. We're going to do a couple more chat questions, Matt, and then we'll get to you. So hang loose. Be ready. Joey R. says, are you familiar with Bruce, Garriott, Bruce Garriott's reporting that the belief in NHL Slurkers is that both, as in Kekalainen and Davidson, could be shown the door if the club doesn't get its act together. I recall you previously saying you'd find it hard to believe that CBJ would fire Davidson. 
I don't want to put you in a position where you were to say what Garyock reported is totally inaccurate. But I'm curious if you still are under the impression Columbus would refrain from firing Davidson. Thanks for always. Uh, yes. I, well, I, I read what Garyock wrote. To me, it was, I don't want to speak for him. I've not speak to him directly about this. I've known Boo for years. Um, count him as a, actually a really good friend in NHL circles. He's a wonderful person. Um, I, I take no issue with what he's written here. I think he's building it off. I don't think if you read this statement from ownership before this season, if you read Mike Priest in our piece last Sunday describing the frustration of ownership, I don't think this sentence is a reach. The belief in NHL circles is that both Davidson and Kekalainen could be shown the door if the club doesn't get its act together. That's kind of what ownership said before the season. Now, Mike Priest declined to say what success means in this case. What does that mean? Is that a point? Is that a win value? Is that playoffs or bust? Um, I am of the belief that, that yes, and, and who knows where it goes? Who knows where conversations go um, if they ever get down to the nitty-gritty? But I think John Davidson is one of the most, I know John Davidson is one of the most respected people in hockey. Um, he is 70 years old. I don't say that that's too old to do anything. I'm 53 myself. Um, I think a man who has had this kind of career, exceptionalism as a player, as a broadcaster, as a, as a manager, at the age of 70, this is probably an opportunity where the Blue Jackets would show more than a little respect. And if they're planning to make a move in that direction, John Davidson is allowed to retire. That's, that is what I have said. And this is not Mike Priest. Please, please understand. I know, I know people say this all the time. Can you ask ownership or can you ask John Davidson if he's thinking of firing Yarmo Kakalainen? Listen, if they were, if they were, if they had it planned at five o'clock today, they wouldn't say, we're kicking it around. Yeah, you know, we're thinking about it because just imagine what that becomes. Um, that's no way to do business. It's deny, deny. It's don't even ask the question. It's, it's, it's attempting to keep people from even asking the question until you're ready to make the move. That's why ownership's not available among other reasons to speak. Um, so if the blue jackets are, I'll say this again, I've said it before, if they're planning to make a change at the end of the season, I think two things. You give John Davidson the option to retire first, out of respect. And second, I think you have to consider what this trade deadline means to the Blue Jackets. And do you want the current management as structured to be in charge of it? Because if you're going to, if you're going to make a move right after the season, then why did you let those same people handle some pretty big decisions just a month earlier at the trade deadline. So I think this could be a very interesting spring. I don't think, and again, I've not spoken to Bruce, so I don't know where, but I, I think it's a commonly held belief. If you whisper to people around the league, one of the, one of the uh, first questions asked is how safe is Yarmo? And you better believe as, as, Cherished as these GM jobs are 
around the league that this is a job that people are watching closely. I'm not saying that people dream of managing the Columbus Blue Jackets more than other teams. I'm not saying that at all. It's an NHL franchise with a lot of promise with young players. Um, so people are interested. Absolutely. Bobby B says, and again, we'll get to the stage. We'll get to you, Matt, in just a second. One more chat question. Um, Bobby B says, hey, Forty, I have a bit of a different question here. I've seen European hockey games that seem to have an almost soccer-like atmosphere in the crowd. The crew, congrats to the championship, have a fantastic atmosphere at their stadium. Is there something against NHL rules to prevent a team from having something like the Nordecki at Nationwide Arena? How cool would it be to have a section behind the shoot twice net that is chanting, singing all game long and really driving, <coughs> excuse me, driving the crowd atmosphere. I'm sure there would be details to work out, but if there are no rules against it, why wouldn't team try that? Um, so Bobby, I don't know if there, there are not rules against how a, how fans can congregate or call a section or cheer. I think there's a couple of things at play here. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think you're allowed to bring, <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to bring drums into the building. I don't know where they, is it, is it Vuvu, Vuvuzela? I don't know if those are allowed in the building. I don't know. I don't think noisemakers are allowed. Um, and I don't think you can have a group of fans wheeling kettle drums in. Um, but there's certainly nothing against having uh, fans congregate uh, repeatedly in a certain area. I will say this too, though. Um, crew tickets, though getting much more expensive. Thank you, Messi. Um, they are not as expensive as Blue Jackets or slash NHL tickets, especially lower bowl. So that is quite a commitment from a group of people to know that they can sit together every game and create that atmosphere. I'm all for it. I'll say this. I think the, the crowds in nationwide are fantastic. Um, all they need is for the team to give them something. And they're there. I mean, I, I, I've heard word of a planned standing ovation for Eric Goodbranson when he takes the ice Saturday against New Jersey. That would be fantastic. Um, I love stuff like that when when crowds pay attention. I always say this: I, I mark a really good hockey crowd sometimes in a very subtle way. If so, Boone Jenner. Um, trying to think if he's the best, latest example. When a, a player is first called up, uh, makes his NHL debut, the first time he comes over the board to skate, you can hear a smattering of applause in the building. People are paying attention. When Boone Jenner takes the ice in the game uh, after, maybe it's a couple after he set the franchise record for most games played, there's a different reaction in the crowd. Uh, it's not just cheering for goals. It's paying attention. And you'll hear it again Saturday when Gabranson takes the ice. I would hope. Um, I, I think he will. I, 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 I trust in the people here that much. So I, I don't think anything about the atmosphere nationwide uh, not being strong enough is on the fans in any way. It's, it's the uh, hockey they have, they have watched. Uh, let's go to the stage. Matt C., you are on front of nationwide. Go ahead, please. Uh, yeah, can you hear me? Okay, yeah. So um, I listened to your spot on the fan uh, a couple of days ago. I also listened into the podcast last week, and I know you have mentioned you, you cannot. I mean, and I'm I'm in total agreement, agreement with you. 
Like you cannot have Line A and Goudreau both in your top six. But like to add on to that, I also think when Ken Johnson's ready, you can't have all three of those in your top six. So I guess like what I'm trying to say is my fear is let's just say we do win the lottery this year and get what how do you say his name? Celebrini? Yes. So so what are we gonna do with him? Just drop him in, you know, drop another 18-year-old top six forward into a lineup that already has I mean, what, we have like nine top six guys. You know what I mean? So it just doesn't make yeah. sense. So that kind of leads me into my next question. Do you think Yarmo actually really thought that this team is a playoff team, which kind of goes to his, I don't know, his team building? Or do you think it's just he feels comfortable enough to tell the public and to tell ownership like this, which kind of leads to, you know, complacency? Sometimes it kind of feels like we're still in the stage where, like, we're just happy to have a hockey team. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's the same thing over and over again. We're going to get kids. They're going to get ruined. You know what I mean? And it's just like yeah. the cycle is yeah. going to go back. So I, I just yeah. kind of want to get yeah. you off on that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would look at it this way. If you're just doing pure top six, I can find you some guys to take out of the top six with no trouble. Uh, really. Like. And and I'm not. I wouldn't say that, that Line A and Gaudreau can't play in your top six together. They damn sure better be able to. That's what eight and a half and nine point two five million dollars says. That says top six. In most cases, it says top line. Uh, but if they don't work together in the top line, that's damn sure top six. I think you keep the Russians together. I like where they're at given the current state of the team. But to me, Chinikov is not a for sure top six guy at this point of his career. I I certainly see the potential especially over the last two weeks. To me, Voronkov is a hell of a third-line center. Um, I'm not sure on a really, really good team. He's yet a, a top-six guy, to be honest with you, but I think it's certainly in the making. Um, Marchenko, for sure, top-six guy, especially on this team. Danforth, to me, not a top-six guy. So I've pulled, pulled what, three guys out of the top-six? I think there there should be room. And let's be honest, if Patrick Laine is playing like Patrick Laine, especially early in his career, he's for sure a top six guy. And and the best argument you could have is which is the Blue Jackets' top line, the one with Goudreau or the one with Laine, because they're both working. Um, that's the ideal scenario. It, you can't say that they can't. I'm, I'm not saying you do, but in, in a general thought, you can't say that they don't work together and they can't work apart. Well, which is it? Um, I, this is This is the cost that you pay when an eight and a half million dollar forward is playing like a million dollar forward. And I don't want to interrupt, but it's like your analogy. I just feel like we have a bunch of icing with no cake. You know what I mean? Like I'm here ready to decorate my cookies, but like, oh, I've got to yeah. get the cookie. Yeah. No, I feel you. you know what I, mean? I feel you. And to me though, that's, that is Gaudreau and line a not, not being the players that they need to be. They need to be the cake. And if they're the cake, and here we go with this analogy, then 91, Ken Johnson, can be the icing. And it's when you start expecting him to be the cake that you get into real trouble, I think, at, at his age. I think he should be the bonus, not the not the the uh, the fabric of what you count on every night at his age. It's going to come and it's going to go. It just heightens to me how profoundly Gaudreau and Line have let this club down especially this season, 
Uh, Gaudreau was pretty good last year. Line A was kind of not what he wanted to be last season because of injuries. But really, Line A, since he's been here, and I know he pushed back on this a little bit, he's not been anywhere near the player that he was in the early days with Line A, with the Winnipeg. In some ways, you could argue he's a more well-rounded player. That That's a bit of a reach to me. Um, he's he's having more assists and fewer goals, but they need goals from Patrick Line. Um, and, and really, until 13 and 29 work or are moved along, it's not going to make a lot of sense. And and Pascal Minson is going to be all over the map with his forward lines. That's just that's just the unfortunate reality of the situation. So, and I, I think what we're seeing with Pascal Vincent is a real attempt to get out of the cycle that you're talking about, um, bringing these guys along the right way. And and if we can step back to the other end of the ice, this is what I've been saying all along about Juracek. It's one or the other. Either you've made a commitment to let him sit in Cleveland and get better and better and stronger and continue to take offensive chances with the puck. Um, if, if you want to go that way, AHL with him, great. Commit to it. If you don't, then he's in the NHL and you're playing him in the NHL. Um, so that's what I would say to that. Uh, we'll go back to the uh, chat room. Got about a half hour to go here. Joe S says, <laughs> how many line combos are we at now? So I've not updated him with tonight's lines and I will not until they take the ice. But I think 13, 11, 17, is that a new one for us? Uh, I think it is. 13, 11, 17, I believe is new. The Russians are together. 29, 4, 91 is for sh- damn sure new. And I think 42, 7, 52. Have we seen that once before? 42, 7, 17. 42, 11, 96. My God. Um, you should see this list. Maybe I'll take a picture of it. Um, so I think we have three new lines tonight. So that would put him at 48. Uh, different lines. Now, let me stress this because this is not meant to be scientific. It's accurate, but I'll explain the difference. These are the lines that they have started games with. And I feel like this is the best, uh, fairest way to go about this. Lines change during the course of a game, either by a guy's going into the penalty box, guys getting hurt, um, you know, uh, situational down a goal. So you're loading up lines at the end. To me, those aren't real reflective of a strategy um, from game to game with the team. Those are that's more of a of an in-game adjustment. So, just counting the lines at the start of games, uh, this would be forty-eight different lines in thirty-one games. So that's that's a lot. Now, I don't think there's one line thirteen thirty-eight eighty-six that has started more than ten games together. So that is Gaudreau, Jenner, Marchenko. They've started 12 games together. And now Marchenko is with the Russians, so that that doesn't play. Uh, Tommy D says, what is your opinion on playing Juracek more? You've talked a lot about playing our young guys more minutes, which I think Fantilli can absolutely handle that stress, but I'm worried that Juracek could be rattled. I mean, I I think Juracek... I think Yurichek is a pretty confident 
young man. If anything, he may be he may be overconfident um, in terms of of his willingness to take offensive chances. I don't. Uh, I, I say turn it over. I say turn it over to him. I mean, I don't. I don't think you play. I really liked Warinsky and Bokvist. I did. Um, I, I like that, and you know where I come in on on Blankenberg. I want that kid in the in the uh, in the lineup every night. I want him in the lineup every night. Uh, yeah, your check is at thirteen fifty nine on the season. That puts him about whoa. That puts him below. Let me rattle off who he. Well, it's kind of unfair to do forwards and defensemen together, but he's below a lot of forwards, which you don't see very often. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, he would be eighth on the team among defensemen in ice time. So, yeah, needs to play more. Here's an idea: second power play. What do you think? Played power play in Czech, played it in, in AHL Cleveland. Second power play. Let's see what these guys have. Um, Joe S. says, I know it would look bad on Yarmo's part, but Craig Berube is now available. Well, would be an upgrade from Pascal. Would Yarmo even consider it? Um, listen, there's a year left on Larson's deal. I believe that they played paid part of Babcock's contract to go away. Don't know the exact figures. So you want them to play a third coach to go away and a fourth coach to be here. I don't think ownership would approve that, even if Yarmo requested it. So that's what I would say to that. And I, I don't think they're wrong for not wanting to for not wanting to pay four coaches. This is not me saying ownership here is cheap. This would me be saying, this would be me if I were the owner saying, uh, no, no, you're not, we're not doing this again. Although I love Chief. Don't get me wrong. Um, Scott M said, do the trade rumors prove to be untrue? Again, I don't know that they ever were. I think we may see a goalie move or even one of our forwards like Line A. Scott is in the, in the uh, trading business here. Um, Listen, I think it's still hard to trade Elvis, very hard. As noted, they can't trade uh, Spencer Martin. I always want to call him Sterling Martin. They cannot trade Spencer Martin. He first would have to go through waivers. Uh, Two rounds of waivers, actually. First to the teams that claimed him when Columbus got him, and they didn't. And if he clears that, then he's exposed to the rest of the league, those who, even those who didn't want him the first time through. Columbus can only trade uh, Martin if he is with them into next season or if they pass him through waivers. And ask yourself, why would a team let him clear waivers and then give up something for him? Even a conditional pick. You just grab him. So that's where that stands. Tarasov, I mean, I think the Blue Jackets need to get him playing and back to health again. So they're going to carry three goalies for a while, as we've noted. Um, 
Yes, though, I, to answer your question, I do think we'll start to see moves uh, as the season moves along. Certainly teams know they're going to have more money to spend next season. And acquiring players with larger salaries at this time of year with so much off their payroll late in the season helps. It knocks their 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 money down. So uh, Topher B says, follow up on my tongue-in-cheek question from last week. By my math, I don't even know what that means. Thanks, Chet. GPT. Oh, 415. Then he continues. There are a total of 455 possible lines combinations with 15 forwards. Okay. Um, I like that. It makes me think that there aren't that many line changes here if there's that many possible. Um, and we're only at, what, 40? What did we say, 48? 47. Um, good to know, though. We may be at 455 by March. Um, John P says, we haven't had a great face-off guy since Manny Malhotra. Who for CBJ coaches face-offs and why isn't the importance stressed? Well, I would disagree with you, John. <coughs> Boone Jenner is a hell of a face-off guy. Hell of a face-off guy. And its importance is stressed. It's not that they don't think they're important at all. Um, let me look at the numbers. They have struggled for the last several years. Um, Fantilli has shown improving signs. He was 10 out of 15 in his last game. That's hard to do that by mistake. Uh, but let me look at the uh, the other guys. Because Sillinger, it's something that Sillinger has, has struggled with. Roslovic has been really, really a struggle with it. Um, let's see here. So total face-off win percentage. They've got two guys over 50%. So they've got two guys that are good. Boone Jenner and Sean Corrales. Jenner, 55.9. That's one of the better numbers in the league. And Corrales at 50.7. Danforth on, let's see, how many draws does he have? On 122 face-offs, so not a huge sample size, but he's at 49.2. Uh, Cole Sillinger is at on 210 draws is at 43.8. Fantilli is only at 41.9, but again, that number is on the, the rise. And I think those are the only guys that have taken a huge number. So yeah, um, Liney's believe it or not, taken 78 draws. I have no idea why he's at 38 percent. Um, that must be how many times guys have gotten kicked out of the circle. So it's Jenner and it's Corrali, and now it's Corrali, uh, because Jenner's out for a while. But it's not that, that they don't think they're important. It's not that they don't work on them. It's They're extremely young down the middle, and some of these guys have been slow to develop. Let me see what Cole Sillinger's numbers are. <coughs> Excuse me, over the last few years, because I, I want to say he's getting gradually better but i don't know that um hold on please so cylinder in cylinder last year it was rookie years 46.5 not bad for a rookie last year he was 44.3 this year 
43.8. He's going the wrong direction. So there you have it. Uh, the best face-off guy in the history of this organization, Antoine Vermette. Um, we've got two guys on the in the uh, the stage queue, William E. and Alex D. We'll get to you in just a minute. William, be ready to go. We'll grab you in just a second. Brian C. says, if they do move on from Yarmo, do you see Rick Nash as a possibility? Uh, Brian C., I see him as a possibility, yes, to me. And this is absolutely nothing against Rick Nash. To me, that's a little early. I think he, I think a GM should have um, managerial experience. So Chris Clark, take Chris Clark, for example, former player uh, with cap, captain with the Washington Capitals and Calgary Flames. More importantly, a manager now in the pro hockey realm. He has been the AHL Cleveland GM uh, for the last few years, ever since Zito left. I think that sort of roster management um, I'm not saying Nash couldn't do it. He would have to have the right people around him. No shame in that. Um, but that seems like it might be a little bit rich for him. I th- I think he has the potential to go very, very high in the front office world of hockey. I do. Um, but I don't even think he's – I think he's 38 years old now. He's only been out of the game for a couple of few years. He's learning at a incredible pace, doing all sorts of different things. Player development is his passion for now. Um, but I would want to see somebody with managerial experience. So that's what I would say. But to your question, is he a possibility? Yeah, he, he would be a possibility. And if he wished to be considered, he would be a consideration. Christopher Ace says, Marchenko, Voronkov, Chinikov, the Russian mafia. You know, here's my thing. Maybe I'm old and I'm getting soft. I don't, I, I want to name that doesn't maybe glorify the um, evil. How's that? How's that? So nothing, nothing about the mafia, nothing about communism, nothing about Putin, any of this stuff. They got to play 10 games minimum, and there will be a nickname when they play enough games together. It will come to us. It will be organic. It will be perfect. Um, but as Topher Beast says, I would prefer a much less problematic name for our Russian line. And I agree. That's probably a better way than I said it. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, let's go to the stage queue. William E., you are on front and nationwide. Go ahead, please. Can you hear me, Party? Got you, William. Go ahead. Uh, um, hope the health continues to improve. Question is, do you think that we've actually improved by getting rid of Brad? Last year, he was dealing with mostly an AHL team. And I think we were winning about the same percentage. Well, well. I'll ask this literally, have they improved? No. What were they after 30 games last year? Let me look. I've got my magic sheet right here. 
I don't think they have improved. I think the the room is better. I know that's a rather hollow comment. They were 10, 18, and 2. 22 points. This group is 9, 16, and 5. 23 points. So they have improved, but marginally. Um, and let's be honest, there are better players on this team, and they are healthier than they were under Brad Lars. So, all is fair. I mean, I think the, I think the, the atmosphere in the room. I think the competitive spirit in the room. I think the players have a respect for Pascal Vincent that was beginning to wane under under Brad Larson. But they aren't better. If they are, it's marginal, and and they should be much better with the uh, dramatic roster improvements that they felt they made over the off season. So yeah, I, that's the most honest way I can answer that. Um, Alex D, uh, how, how much Alex D you are now on front nationwide. Please go ahead, please. Hey, Porty. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Awesome. All right. So, uh, Bobby Mack was talking on the Monday mailbag about how important like character guys are in the lineup. So like your Olivier's and you know, um, that's kind of an old school view. Like, isn't that kind of the crux of the issue of this team for the past 23 years? Like, too many Olivier's, you know, guys who aren't fantastic analytically or don't don't produce maybe as much as a good team, a player on a good team would. Yeah. Um, but they have grit. Like, I know that's kind of something that's intangible, but what's your view on that? Well, it's a great question, and it, it all gets back, I think, into what kind of hockey you prefer. I think, I think there, I think there have been different problems in different years. I, it's hard for me to draw a, a direct line um, from one year to the next as to why the team has been this or been that. Um, I think you have, I think the word character is such a, a um, such a subjective aspect of all of this and like I don't know some people some people just immediately apply character to a player that that is I know I'm not saying this is Olivier but is lucky to be in the NHL character guy and it's a really hard thing to put your your thumb on I think roster composition is just fascinating I think there have been years where the Blue Jackets just didn't have enough talented players. And I still I still come back here repeatedly to I love Gaudreau's skill. I love his skating ability. I, I love to watch Patrick Line shoot the puck. But there's something troublesome about having two guys like that at the top of your pecking order of forwards. And a guy no matter how much character you put underneath that, um, way underneath that fourth line, guys, I'm not sure you can change that. You you need that's what makes players like um, Kachuk so valuable because they have they have that passion to play and compete, that just relentlessness desire to win. And they have the skill on top of it. So you're getting like seven different benefits in one player rather than 
seven players with a single benefit that you hope fit together. I like having a guy like Olivier on my team. I don't know that he plays every night, but I like having him on my team. I like having a good Branson on the back end. I think as a third pair defenseman, he's fine. But I also want some skill and some talent and some difference makers, certainly in the middle and the, and the higher part of the lineup. I think, and I hope none of my other media competitors listen to this, but I'm trying to, at some point this spring, get the crew coach, Wilfred Nancy, and the Blue Jackets coach, Pascal Vincent, I said both of those in the Frenchest way I could, together. Uh, they've never met. Um, Wilfred is from France originally, but spent a ton of time in Quebec. Uh, Pascal is from Quebec. They both count French as their first language. They have, they, I think they would be fat. I think it's interesting that two of the, uh, major coaching positions in this Columbus are filled, uh, by men with French backgrounds. I think it'd be great to get them together and I may need to bring an interpreter with me. But what are the philosophies? Because I think Pascal could benefit uh, a bit from listening to Wilfred Nancy's approach to soccer, which appears to be um, want the ball, have the ball, pressure, create. And when you're up by two goals, the goal is to be up by three goals, not, okay, we've done the work at 3-1, and now sit back and hold on to your asses. Um, I think it'd be a really interesting story to get the two of them together and just see where the conversation goes. Cause I, I feel like whether they would acknowledge it or not, I feel like they have, they have differing coaching philosophies. And of course they do. Cause they're two totally different games. Um, but I think there are things that, that transcend sport from the coaching perspective. So I don't know. Does that answer your question, Alex? Yeah, it does. Thank you. Yeah, honestly, I wasn't even saying specifically Olivier, but yeah, yeah just kind of players like that. It, you were saying um, all icing, no cake. It kind of feels like maybe they just put the icing in first or something, you know? It's like it's like people are kind of mismatched in their roles. At least that's well, what I think. So, Well, yeah, and I've, I've thought this for a while, that this this roster feels like it is an animal in the middle of a a evolutionary transformation that you can't really see where it's going yet. Like it doesn't really make sense. It's a platypus among any NHL teams. What the hell is it? Where is this going? Um, why does it almost feels like it's got a flipper and an arm, uh, a fin and a foot, you know what I'm saying? Like it just, <laughs> what are we looking at here and, and who the hell built this? And, and but part of it is these young players have not, really revealed what they're going to be in the NHL yet. So it's hard to, it's hard to say uh, this guy is this and we go forward to look for line mates because we know who he is. I think we're getting a read now on who Marchenko is, for instance. I think it's pretty obvious who Voronkov is, um, but we're learning what Chinikov is. Some nights he looks like a great skater. Some nights you don't notice him. Um, but you know, all of this is, is sort of coming into a picture and then you adjust as it goes. But Alex, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the calls and or the, the uh, question. We'll go back to the chat room for the remaining few minutes we have here. Um, Alex D, this may just be Alex D all over again. Is 
At this point, is there any hope that Liney will return to peak form? I want to believe in him so badly. I don't understand how a player can fall so far. Alex, I think he'll get there. I do. I'm an optimist by nature. What the hell? Um, but, you know, I, again, I, I, I don't think. I kind of feel crazy saying this, but I don't feel like what's going on with him this year is due to a lack of effort. I really don't. Um, I think he, I think he's extremely frustrated because he he tried so hard and and has not much to show for. Um, I think that's part of the frustration, and we, we've all seen this um, from him, where he doesn't. He doesn't make matters better. He makes matters worse by by heaping this all on top of himself. Um, I also think he, at any time, could score eight goals in five games. That's who he is. That's what he's been. Um, you know, sort of historically throughout his career, he's been he he eats like a snake sometimes, where he goes several games without and. Then gets a bunch in a row. Excuse me. The um, many seem to have questions about uh, who is the greatest face-off player in the history of the Blue Jackets. If we do a minimum one thousand face-offs, let's do that. I love this stuff. You're going to be surprised who the number one guy is. Number one guy now is currently a GM in the National Hockey League. Kevin Adams, Buffalo. Kevin Adams, 57.4 over 1,100 face-offs. Mike Sillinger, Mike Sillinger, 56.8. He took 3,500 face-offs for this team. Manny Malhotra, third, 56.8. Sorry, 56.7. He took 5,000 face-offs for this team. Antoine Vermette, fourth, 55.3. He took... Oh, 4,256 face-offs. Boone Jenner is fifth, 54.2%. My God, Boone has taken 7,296 face-offs. Brandon Dubinsky, sixth at 53.4 across 7,077 face-offs. Derek McKenzie, seventh at 53.2, 1,900. Sergei Fedorov. God, when is Sergei Fedorov ninth on any list? 52.7%, Sammy Paulson, 52.1%, and Jan Herdina, 51.9%. Some great names in there. Great names in there. Um, yeah. Let's see here. Jonathan C. says, thoughts on other teams wanting our star players. So an article recently from a Leafs media page talking about picking up Wierenski. Jesus. Also saw an article about them picking up Jenner. Well, stick with the Leafs because they will have acquired every player in the NHL at some point this season. Um, If you look at the type of defenseman that Toronto is said to be pursuing, I think of Tanev in Calgary. I don't think anyone would confuse Wierenski with Tanev, and I don't think the Blue Jackets have any desire to move Wierenski. So scratch him from your list. Can you imagine this team trading Boone Jenner? That's the job for the next GM. 
because I don't see Yarmo ever doing it. I think he's had many, many, many offers for Boone Jenner and has not done it. Um, so that's what I would say to that. And it's going to get into the silly time here because once again, the Blue Jackets will be the carcass that other teams try to pick. Um, and we may be able to read by the trades that they make or don't make just how much authority this front office is still operating with. Um, so some interesting days ahead. Thanks everybody for the questions. Thanks for being part of front nationwide. Always a pleasure. Uh, we'll get together again next week. Will we? Yes. Next week before Christmas, we'll probably take the week off between Christmas and new year. Just thought, although if something big pops up, if there's something we just absolutely have to talk about, uh, we'll get there. Uh, thanks again for joining. Uh, you've been listening to the front and nationwide podcast via the athletic. Thanks to our producer, Danielle. Thanks to the great David Cook uh, for our theme music. We'll talk to you all again next week.